0: Hi, welcome to Man Discovers Math, the math education podcast that explores what educators can do to make math more interdisciplinary, culturally sustaining, and student-centered. I'm your host, Elena Mann, and today we're talking about visualization in math and word problem strategies, specifically my research on them in the 7th grade math classroom. This school year, I have been student teaching in a 7th grade math classroom in Colorado Springs, Colorado. As a part of this, I have attended multiple PLC meetings, working within the 7th grade, across grades, and as well as within and across disciplines. In these meetings, we identify problems, brainstorm solutions, plan lessons and units, communicate those plans, and this year, we even participated in a book study. In the math department meeting this year, we looked at last year's CMASS math scores. CMASS is the Colorado State Standardized Test mainly used for grades 3 through 8. In this meeting, the 7th grade team looked at the results of our current students' CMASS math tests, which were taken at the end of their 6th grade year. Through some graphics and comparisons to Colorado State Standards, we were able to figure out which areas to target for this group of students. At this point, we're about a month and a half away from the next CMASS test. So, we had to figure out how our CMASS prep interventions were going to fit into our plans for the next month and a half. This is how this project was born. As a 7th grade math team, we were prepping for the end of our compound probability unit. Our curriculum, College Preparatory Math, or CPM, had a couple of days for word problem-solving instruction attached to the end of this unit. Knowing that word problems were one of the most common types of problems on the CMAS exam, finding a word problem strategy to teach our kids became one of our targets for CMAS prep. So the search began for a method that fit into these few days of word problem solving instruction. When I wasn't in a PLC meeting or working with other seventh grade teachers, I was spending almost all eight hours of the school day planning, reflecting, and co-teaching with my cooperating teacher, Heather Conyers. Here she is outlining some of her thoughts about word problem strategy instruction at our school.
1: Well, I think at our school, it's relatively new we're only in our fourth year and so with that um, even in the first year that we opened we only had a full sixth grade and only one pod of each seventh and eighth grade and progressively you know this is only the second year that we've had a full school Um, with that comes a lot of new staff each year so I've noticed that we don't actually have like any sort of approach or unified it's been sort of what teachers believe their best practices to be, um, which is really powerful, but also I've noticed from some of my previous experiences that I think we are not as strong in reading comprehension and word problems as maybe we could be if everybody were doing the same types of things so that kids' skills were just rolling over year to year and they were building on them and getting stronger. Um, I did actually talk to some of our special educators about kind of trying to find some sort of unified annotation you know symbols that we use or strategies um, and having every teacher kind of use the same language because I think that really does help all students but particularly those that that do struggle with comprehension and language barriers. So I'm hopeful that maybe over the summer we're gonna kind of get together and try to incorporate those and maybe um through that then similar to what i talked about at one of my other schools we would then as a math department which we've also talked about um in our plc's kind of sitting down and thinking about okay how do we want kids to start approaching these in sixth grade and then what do we want seventh graders to then be able to do a year later and therefore eighth graders because some people incorporate that so naturally some others maybe not as much but our curriculum CPM is super language heavy Um, there's not as many almost like kill and drill or like old school problems that you would see where it's just a page of 30 problems almost every problem we give our kids is language based so we just want to set them up for success and give them the skills that they need in order to solve problems and to know like which operations to use or which information is important or not,
0: things like that. The school that we work at is very young, being in its fourth year of existence. With this, the math department is still working together to figure out some ways we can make connections and smooth transitions from grade to grade. One of the goals with figuring out a word problem-solving strategy to teach the students was to find one that can be taught across grade levels as the dominant strategy one that supports students in any stage of math while also supporting students in any stage of language development and semantic understanding. Seventh grade math teacher, Leah McFan, first presented the idea of implementing the Read 3 strategy.
2: So I first learned about the Read 3 strategy when I was at AVID Summer Institute um, at my previous school. Um, We were working towards becoming AVID school-wide. And so as a math teacher, um, I, two summers in a row, had gone to Summer Institute. And so in the Math 1, Summer Institute training was when I had first learned about the read-three strategy. And then in the Math 2 was when we really kind of like expanded on it and then learned more about like writing strategies in math. And so it was really cool the way it was introduced to us really stemmed from the question of how do, we, how do we get students to make sense of problems? And so they showed us this video where it's a question that doesn't make any sense at all. And then the question that they're asked isn't able to be answered. And so in this video, what you're seeing is students attempting to answer this question. And then what happens is they're just chugging out numbers. And so they're pulling numbers from the problem, and then just doing whatever calculation they feel like they should do with it without actually gleaning any context from the problem. And so that was super eye-opening for me because I think at that point, I had been teaching math for three years, maybe. One of my frustrations as a math teacher is how do I get kids to actually slow down, take their time, and become a problem solver, especially in the world today when so many answers are available to us at our fingertips. How do we get them to want to be problem solvers? And so actually when they introduced us to the strategy, they gave us a problem that didn't have any values in it at all. And then they gave us like a bank of numbers and then had us go fill those in. And so as a Teacher who was learning in that moment, it was super impactful for me. And so that just felt like something that was like, man, this is what I've been looking for to try to help my students. And I was really pleased with how well it went with the kids once we did introduce it.
0: Taking Leah's advice, we used the Read Three strategy for our short mini unit on solving word problems. Just like at her training, we showed our students this video called How Old is the Shepherd on YouTube. In this video, a group of 8th grade students were given the word problem, there are 125 sheep and 5 dogs in a flock. How old is a shepherd? Now, seeing this problem as an adult, it reminds me of the memes people make about math word problems. Obviously, we aren't given the right information to accurately answer the question. However, middle school students in the U.S. today most likely will just take the numbers in the problem, 125 and 5, and do some sort of calculation on it. This is exactly what these 8th graders did in this video. For our 7th graders, this opened their eyes to how troubling it is to just pay attention to the numbers when trying to interpret a word problem. After sharing this video, we gave them a handout with a word problem, but the numbers and questions were omitted. We then walked through the process of the Read 3 strategy as follows. We read the situation three times, each asking ourselves a different question. After the first read, we ask ourselves, What is the main idea or gist of the problem? After the second read, we ask, What are the values or quantities associated with the problem? And in our final read, we ask, What questions can we ask? In this activity, we omitted the numbers and questions, but we also gave the students a number bank. The goal was for them to use the context of the problem to choose which numbers should go where. Then as a class, after deciding where the numbers go, we can then look to ask questions about the situation. This particular problem was about going to a restaurant and the prices of certain foods. Examples of questions we could answer based on the information given to us were, If I had $20, how many of each food item could I get? Or something similar. Once we found a question we would like to answer, we could then use the information that we just analyzed to help make calculations. The structure of this strategy ended up being really similar to the critical reading strategies that our students were using in their ELA classes. Since this word problem-solving mini-unit was just that, a mini-unit, I chose for my master's research project to conduct a word problem-solving intervention with the goal of making READ3 stronger. While researching the READ3 strategy, I found other variations of the same skeleton of questions but different ways of introducing the strategy to students. Some variations were structured to emphasize student choice and making real-world connections. Given that one of the barriers for many students in solving word problems is the need for solid reading comprehension, the Read 3 strategy has a helpful structure for allowing students to slow down and break down sentences multiple times. However, I've spent a large part of this year reflecting on things I used to do and learn in my middle school math classes, and I started to think about my own chosen word problem strategy. When I was in 6th grade, I went to a school that taught Singapore math. One of the main strategies used in Singapore math is the bar model method. The bar model method is the process of using bar shaped visual representations to represent things like known and unknown values, fractions, percentages, etc. When I got to high school and college, I started to take more physics classes where you had to draw free body diagrams as a part of your grade when solving the problems. And if you've ever taken physics, you'd know that basically all physics problems are word problems. So for me, visualizing the problem and drawing something to represent the problem or organize it better was a huge part of finding success on word problems. I bring this up because the read-through strategy doesn't explicitly involve any visualization. In the opinion of many mathematicians and applied mathematicians like physicists, creating visual representations and diagrams helps to make word problems more realistic and can reduce one's cognitive load when solving. Experts in STEM fields need to have the ability to notice more details from a problem compared to a novice. As students grow from novice to expert, they need to be able to adjust to this new visual-centered culture created by the emergence of the internet, and the dependence it's created for people to be able to communicate information visually. I asked a friend of mine, John Lay, a current physics and mathematics double major at Colorado College, on the importance of visualization in those fields.
3: It's interesting because the way I view visualization in math is not just like drawing pictures, but also being able to recognize certain symbols, certain integrals, and being like, if you know the certain integral, you can translate that to a certain thing you need to do. Overall, being able to kind of picture scenario is really powerful because sometimes you just can't really see what's going on in the word itself. And like, especially for like your demographic, the middle schoolers, they may not have the skills to be able to solve a problem just by reading it, but having that layer of like description and also just imaging generally helps translate that math to maybe someone else is a visual learner, they can visualize that more. like Especially correlating that to physics, it's like, not only am I able to recognize like, certain integrals and can apply those steps, but also in physics, is being able to draw the scenario and be like, oh, okay, a point charge has this charge going outward, what does that mean? or like you see like a ball being thrown at a certain angle, where does it land? So definitely kind of those smaller pictures really depict more as to what's going on and kind of help visualize it. And I think that's a really important skill mainly because in a way you're not expected to know how to do the problem right away. And having that aid of visualization can always help you lean towards certain directions, to helping you solve a problem.
0: In the book, Mathematics for Human Flourishing, author and mathematics professor at Harvey Mudd, Francis Sue introduces this idea of transcendent beauty in mathematics. He states, the deepest experience of mathematical beauty is to be found in transcendent beauty. It can amplify or be amplified by sensory, wondrous, or insightful beauty, but it goes well beyond. Transcendent beauty generally arises when one moves from the beauty of a specific object, idea, or reasoning to a greater truth of some kind. Appreciating transcendent mathematical beauty builds in us habits of generalization when we look for overarching patterns where we might not expect them. And in another chapter, he he describes a practice often used in mathematics education where teachers often present mathematical objects and ask the questions What do you notice? What do you wonder? Do you observe a pattern? To a non-math nerd, this may just sound like the ramblings of someone who hasn't left the realm of pure mathematics, but this is the beginning of interdisciplinary mathematical thinking. To be able to describe the beauty of mathematics and use visual inputs to guide the discovery of mathematical insights is to view the field artistically. The visual thinking strategy used in art education has crossed boundaries into the world of other Humanities disciplines. Visual Thinking Strategies uses visuals to communicate information and relies on students to pull that information out of the visual by cycling through the questions What's going on here? What do you see that makes you say that? What more can we find? Thinking about this, those questions are not very different from what Francis Sue talks about in his book. Pattern recognition is one of the main skills that is needed in both interpreting mathematical objects and interpreting art. Art can be implemented into mathematics instruction through embracing the value of visual pattern recognition in math, as well as considering the application of art in real life. Seventh grade math teacher Julie Peel shared with me how art plays an important role in her life and how math shows up in practical ways.
4: I am, art is my passion. I definitely am an artist on the side, and so I love it. I love it for all of the reasons, I think my own journey um, as an artist and trying to figure out the business side of art, I was astonished at how much math there was, just even basic math. I remember the day trying to figure out how exactly big is a pixel, and so if somebody tells me it's this many pixels long, what does that even mean? And starting to, in my own journey, find places where not only with business, but with art, with math, architecture, I think any kind of visual we can add to math makes it interesting. And some of our most famous mathematicians are artists like Leonardo da Vinci, right? It's, they definitely are companion um, skills for sure.
0: One of my main goals as a math educator is to make the subject relevant and interdisciplinary. While math education needs to be literacy education, it also needs to be science education, history education, arts education, So thinking about word problem solving and how we can add to strategies like READ3 that provide support for language development, it makes sense that it should also include support for visualization and pattern recognition. By providing spaces and teaching strategies where students can visually connect new knowledge to old knowledge, anyone can experience mathematical transcendent beauty. Considering all of these dynamic pieces, I created a new word problem strategy, a derivative of READ3, but includes the creation and use of visuals as a part of the solving process. After the first read, students must still identify the main idea, but now they must also create a drawing to match the main idea. After the second read, students must still identify important values and quantities, but now they must use them to label or add to their visuals. Then, after the final read, their third read, they are to explicitly identify what the problem is asking them to solve. Once those have been completed, ideally, a student has a clear grasp on the problem situation in question, and they have also created a useful visual to reference during the calculation phase that follows. To test the effectiveness of this strategy, I investigated the following research question from my master's research project. Is there a significant difference in student performance on word problems measured by pre, mid, and post tests when they are taught using the read-3 strategy versus the read-3 with visual strategy versus elements of the bar model method. Looking at the benefits to both read three and visualization in math, I hypothesized that a combination of the two, read three with visuals, will produce a significant improvement in student performance on word problems. Now let's discuss how I conducted this research project. I had three types of interventions I wanted to run, one on reviewing read three, one on learning read three with visuals, and one on learning the basics of creating visuals from word problems using elements of the bar model method. Each intervention was three days long and I conducted a pre-test, mid-test and post-test. I conducted these interventions with three of my classes, but they did not receive the same treatments or the same questions for each test. Let's break that down. Each class received two out of the three interventions. Class one received three days of read three with visuals followed by three days of making visuals with word problems. Class 2 received three days of reviewing Read 3, followed by three days of reading Read 3 with visuals. Class 3 received three days of making visuals with word problems, followed by three days of reviewing Read 3. Each test was completed before and after each intervention. So, the pretest was conducted before any interventions took place, the mid-test was conducted between interventions one and two, and the post-test was conducted after both interventions took place. Each test was one of three grade-level appropriate questions taken from CMAS and PARC practice tests. One was a probability problem, one was a multi-step equation problem, and one was a percentages problem. Each class took a test with each problem once, for example, for the pre class 1 took the probability problem, class 2 took the multi-step equation problem, and class 3 took the percentages problem. For the mid- and post-test, the problems were shuffled around so that no class completed the same problem more than once. Day 1 of every intervention was direct instruction and note-taking on the topic, where each strategy came with a list of steps to use. After note-taking, we then did an example as a class. Day two of every intervention, I gave an exit ticket with the same question as the last test they took. So if they had just taken question x in their pretest, they were to do question x again on day two, but with specific instructions to follow the steps they took notes on for day one. Day three of every intervention was then a step-by-step tutorial on how to solve that same question using the strategy learned. So if the intervention was reviewing read three, and they had just taken question X for their pre test, then on day three, we went over how to do read three for question X. Having this type of structure for all three of my interventions kept things consistent for me and my students without overcomplicating an already complicated method of data collection. After data collection, these tests were then graded on a five point scale from zero to four. Students received one point for having each of the following aspects included in their answer. One, a visual created, two, a visual labeled, three, work shown, and four, the correct answer. A zero was used for answers that had none of these. The most common example of a zero was just the wrong answer written on the paper with nothing else. After two weeks of gathering data, plus a few extra days to grade all of those tests, we ended up running a few ANOVA and repeated measures ANOVA tests to look at. From these tests, a few interesting things emerged. Firstly, there was a significant difference between the pre-test and the mid and post tests with students achieving higher scores after the interventions took place. The mid-test also had slightly higher scores compared to the post-test, but that difference was not significant. Questions involving calculating percentages received the lowest scores across the board. Finally, it was also discovered that out of all three of the interventions across all three tests, The classes that received the Read 3 with Visuals Intervention Treatment improved the most. After the break, we will discuss these findings. So let's return to my original research question to discuss findings. The goal of this project was to explore if there was a significant difference in student performance on word problems measured by pre, mid, and post tests. When they're taught using the read 3 strategy versus the read 3 with visual strategy versus elements of the bar model method. Firstly, there was a significant difference in student performance on the mid and post tests compared to the pre This tells us that something did work. Now, this leaves us with the question of what worked. Was it the read 3 strategy, the read 3 with visual strategy, or just making bar model visuals? Before we answer that question completely, There's a couple things to consider that may have affected our data, but not significantly enough according to the math. We noticed that the mid-test had higher scores than the post-test, but it wasn't a significant enough difference. I do think, however, that a big factor to why these two were different in the first place was the timing of this project. The first set of interventions occurred during the three days before our spring break, and the second set of interventions occurred during the week after spring break. Many teachers know that the attitudes and self-perceived cognitive capacities of many middle school students before and after spring break are drastically different. Before spring break, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and thankfully it seems like my students had used that as a motivator to do their work versus seeing that as an opportunity to do the bare minimum. However, after spring break, there was a shift to where suddenly some students had seemed to forget how to do anything that we've learned since the beginning of the school year. This was expected, though. So, to combat this, we had a normal day of just trying to get back into routines before resuming the second set of interventions. Although this wasn't ideal, it was the best that we could do, which is the reality of teaching most of the time. Another reality of teaching that we had to deal with was sticking to our standards and curriculum while this project was happening. Since we had already had a word problems unit, we couldn't have just made another unit because it was time to move on to calculating percentages. So, each intervention was a 10 to 30 minute mini lesson depending on whether it was day 1, 2, or 3. The questions I had hand picked from CMAS and Park practice tests were all grade level appropriate. However, the performance on one of the questions depended on the student's ability to retrieve and apply things that we were teaching them at the same time that we are teaching the word problem strategy. With this, our data reflects that the students had the hardest time on our question that required them to calculate percentages. It was a challenge to watch my students struggle on this question, and I kept feeling like, oh no, this is going to skew my results badly. However, it was valuable to have an experience for the students to see how exactly one could visualize a concept while they were learning it versus months later. It would be interesting to see how the same students perform on that question, now that they've completed their percentages unit. Regardless of what I did or didn't test for or keep track of this first time around, we did come out with some promising results. Overall, the Read 3 with Visuals intervention resulted in the highest scores on the tests that immediately followed. Class 1's mid-test and Class 2's post-test were both taken after the Read 3 with Visuals interventions with average scores of 2.8 and 2.6. This reveals that, compared to the other two interventions, Read 3 with Visuals was the most effective in improving students' scores, supporting my hypothesis. The implications of this research are huge for me going into a sixth grade math teaching position at this school. Using similar techniques, I can teach this strategy to my students early in the school year, and I can perform some tests I didn't try this time. By emphasizing the need for my students to build reading comprehension and visualization skills, I'm working towards a more interdisciplinary, culturally sustaining, and student-centered mathematics classroom and that is all for this episode thanks for listening and remember math is not created but discovered see you next time on man discovers math